keep calling me. I better, I better look up the lyrics, by the way. I'm going to pull up the lyrics as I literally don't know them. Oh, I, ha- I write the lyrics down for every song. Did you know that? All the lyrics? Well, not for every song on the soundtrack, but just for Dead Souls. But every Nine Inch Nails song, I always write the lyrics down to before we it? record. All of them? Yes. Why? I've Why? just always done that. Are you recording? That's crazy. Okay. No, but I do. There's so Look, many. I know. But here's like March of the Pigs. Oh I mean, God. obviously, I don't do the remixes, but I write every lyric. Here. Here's, um, I'm looking for, okay, Fix, obviously, I didn't. But yeah, here's everything for uh, Broken. Like all my lyrics are written down. Suck, physical, gave up. So I can reference it real quick because I'm bad with lyrics sometimes. Okay. I'm like Ixie, but without the musical talent. <laughs> but I still have the love of like fun lipstick. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. Something in common there. Mm-hmm. What special on theme shade are you wearing today? I'm not wearing anything wink, on theme. Wink, wink, wink. Wait, what is. I was giving you a chance to pretend. Oh. To make something up. I'm wearing my um, Black as Crow. <laughs> crow Black, the Crow Collection by Brandon Lee. Yes, Brandon it's Lee It's the had Brandon Lee line. Collection at Mac. Actually, I wouldn't put it past them. You know that Urban Decay has a Prince collection? I'm not uh, kidding. Wow. Like, this well, is nothing okay, that would ever have. they would. This is nothing that would ever have been allowed had he been alive. Probably not. But I did order the uh, Prince Collection Coal Black eyeliner because i wanted a good black coal eyeliner and also it was half off it was like ten dollars <laughs> so i i splurged a little what are we here for what's going on well first of all step right up it's nailed what's up star fuckers what's up star fuckers mm-hmm. thanks for being here welcome to a nailed bonus episode where we go beyond the halos mm-hmm. and this week we're it, doing one of my all-time favorites she's so excited to i get am to it. And what what are we doing? We're talking about the Crow soundtrack, the original soundtrack, not the movie. As much as I would love to talk about could, the movie, you know, we, I'm sure we're going to mention a, a thing or two about details. Probably, yeah. But you've probably seen it if you're listening to us. If you haven't seen it, your homework, I guess, is go out and watch it. Oh, just do it. I don't know if it is as meaningful. To someone who maybe is just being introduced yeah. to it now, maybe as opposed not. to uh, being a 12-year-old girl in 1994 and watching it, or boy, or whatever. I feel like it's it hits at a certain age. Because I didn't see it until I was an adult, mm. and not to not to spoil anything, but it was not as meaningful to me as it is to you. I feel like maybe if you saw it in the 90s, no matter your age, you yeah. might have a bit of an... When did you see it? I was in my, I don't know, late 20s. Oh, mid, wow. Mid, maybe mid-20s. So this would have been like, what, 2010-ish? So yeah, somewhere in there, yeah. Um, I think I was living at Mark's house, probably. Wow. First time I really sat down and watched the whole was thing. Was I there with you? Probably. Probably. Was I don't it like know. our early may, days of messing it, around? It might have not been. You might have not been there. It might have just been me and Mark or some shit. Aw, um, bonding. I mean, maybe someone else was there. Oh, um, okay, another girl. <laughs> no, not another girl. Probably like his girlfriend. Aw, uh, okay, we got to stop saying everyone's names. I didn't say any last names. Um, but if I was, I was 10 in 1994, mm-hmm. probably too young to get the crow. 
But if I would have seen it, yeah, when I was young and like a teenager, I probably would have been more affected by it. Yeah, I was a big MTV kid and there was a big push behind this movie on MTV. And we'll get to some. There was even like a whole Alternative Nation hour long special about the Crow soundtrack. And I have some stuff that I'll play from it where Kennedy is. I knew Kennedy for some reason is wearing a I just want to talk about her fit for a second. She is literally wearing like this uh, bright pink Actually, it's more of a soft. It's like a baby pink, but it's like a, a vinyl almost or some really like very 90 shiny like airwalk type material. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm and it's a, pink and it's a bikini top and then like a short skirt. It is the weirdest outfit I've ever seen Kennedy wear. I'm going to need to see it this. It seems for, very unkennedy For but. personal research, I need screenshots. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, but it, there was a big push on it, big marketing push on it. And then, of course, everyone knew about uh, Brandon Lee's unfortunate death while filming the right. movie that was a huge even I, before I saw the crow I knew about that because it was so fucked up and tragic mm-hmm. um quick question was hot topic a thing when this came out was, I I think it was kind of brand new. I think it was a brand new and thing. I don't think it was as nationwide. Not many cities yeah. had it. We definitely did not have it until mm-hmm. late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, it was late fucking 90s here. The first time I went yeah. to a Hot Topic was in like Tulsa. It might and have been. Yeah. I mean, it was like Tulsa and like 19 or Oklahoma City, one or the other. I probably had to go to one in Dallas. And I mean, it, we just happened to be in Dallas. Yeah. I mean, it was literally like walking into a Mecca when you're like yeah, a, a 14-year-old walking in there. You're like, I, I have like, found my people. <laughs> oh, this is a place where they have band shirts that I like, <laughs> unlike any place in my my city. I whatsoever. would go to Kaleidoscope, which is a local store here. You could find cool band shirts there. But anyway. Uh, well, I was not uh, I was not allowed to go in mm. such a, a den of sin. Yeah. Anyway, we're not talking about Hot Topic. Mm-hmm. So on The Crow, mm-hmm. the soundtrack, mm-hmm. 1994. Mm-hmm. What are we going to get into first? Well, first I want to talk about my love for soundtracks in general. All right. You're on the clock. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So this is not just like a movie soundtrack to me. Like this Oh, is... we should play the little, we use this in my other podcast, but what? the little thing from, from Parks and Rec. Oh, do it. Where, <laughs> I wish I could had it to drop right here. It's but Adam Scott. Uh, ben mm-hmm. and his name in the show, right? Uh-huh. Or, uh. Ben and April, Aust- April's April. going through all his mm-hmm. CDs. She's like, soundtrack to Pulp Fiction, oh. soundtrack to Singles, soundtrack to Gross Point Blank. Why do you have so many soundtracks? Oh, well, uh, I kind of look at it like uh, it's your favorite directors making a mixtape just for you. Ew. <laughs> it's just a big generational thing you guys will never understand because... Uh, you guys didn't own the High Fidelity soundtrack. <laughs> oh, that's a good soundtrack. You didn't own Jay and Silent Bob Strike mm-hmm. Back soundtrack. Uh, Let me tell you how I discovered Velvet Underground. It was High Fidelity soundtrack. Oh, okay. I heard... No, that's not true because I heard... We'll get into soundtracks. But uh, this was like the first big soundtrack I ever owned. It was the first introduction to like so many bands. And I was talking to Blake while we were listening to this earlier. The Cure. My first Cure song was Burn. Rage yeah. Against the Machine, Darkness, my yeah. first Rage Against the Machine song. Yeah. Um, uh, Violent Femmes, I think that was my first Violent Femmes song. Before so you Color heard like Blister in the Sun. I don't think I was aware that it was them. Does that make Blister sense? Blister in the Sun was like one of the first like indie rocky type songs I had ever heard in my life. Yeah, I just, honestly, I don't know if I connected the two together because this song is so different. Yeah, it different. sounds nothing like that. Yeah. Um, my first Jesus and Mary Chain. Like. Mm. Even before Head On. Like. Okay. I was 12. When hey, did hey, Head On come out? It was a, the Pixies uh, revitalized it with their cover <laughs> in 1991. So 
Yeah, obviously that song came out when I was like six, okay. like well, pre-hate machine did. You should, you should <laughs> so, have been there. Should have. Um, I mean, I obviously listened to that later. I used to buy soundtracks, mm-hmm. like way too many of them. Oh, I had so many. I'm trying to think if I bought any that had Nine Inch Nails on it. This was one I had. You had Tomb Raider, I know that. Oh, okay. So this mm-hmm. was an event. I've probably talked about Recently, I got the vinyl because it was the 20th anniversary. So now I feel old as a mummy. <laughs> but I remember like on the day of release, this was like a go to the record store and get in line. To buy a fucking tune. There wasn't. There wasn't a line. <laughs> but went to the record store on yep. day of release as the because as soon as I deep. could to get the song "Deep" mm-hmm. on the the Tomb Raider soundtrack, which is uh, doesn't have that many other good songs on it. Um, got some Missy Elliott, right? It does have good songs on it, but okay. it has goofy songs. But too. a lot of it, I feel like, is is it all like Basement Jacks? Like, where's your head at? Type shit. Where's your head at? Fucks, and that whole Basement Jacks album fucks. So. Don't hate on that. There's I was just, there's some that lesser, very early aughts techno yeah, is what I'm trying well, to say. Sorry. That's that's the better of the early aughts techno. There's some on there that's pretty iffy. Anyway, there were a lot of lesser shittier soundtracks that I got too that um so I was trying to think of like memorable. formative soundtracks. This definitely is one. And the other one that I can think of right away uh, is train spotting. Okay. I had that soundtrack. It's where the first time I heard nightclubbing. And I was like, uh, wait, you, why does that beat sound familiar? Uh, why does that beat sound familiar? Like, literally, I had no idea that closer, yeah, used. We'll probably play that in the we will. We will. But it also had Lust for Life. So it was my first introduction to Iggy Pop, basically. And also it had Perfect Day by Lou Reed. Um, Temptation was my first real, like, New Order song that I fell in love with. And that was on that soundtrack. I mean, I'd heard, like, Blue Monday. Not Blue Monday, but, like, um, Bizarre Love Triangle and Blue Monday. But for yeah. some reason, like, Temptation, I just fell in love with. And then okay. I really fell in love with uh, New Order from there. So... Yeah, I was thinking those are like two really big formative ones that I remember having and playing all the time. And I'm sure there are more, but I had tons of soundtracks. And it really was important because, uh, you know, pre-streaming services, pre-Napster, local rock radio, not the best here in our area. It really was a way that you found if you wanted a, a lot playlist, of artists. If you wanted a playlist... You didn't have Spotify. Mm-mm. You had to buy a soundtrack. Or you had to hope that your friends made good mixtapes. Right. And would dedicate the time to make and them. I had one or two friends who did make good mixtapes mm-hmm. with songs that are still with me to this hey, day. Hey, you know what? I was the friend who made good mixtapes. Oh, were you? Mm-hmm. That's not surprising. Yeah. You've always been a mixed person. I'm really good at I was just things. the one who received them. These days, I know how to make a good mix. I just did a Halloween one. Mm-hmm. I helped. Then, just did help. But I'm I'm good at I'm good at transitions. That's mm-hmm. my main thing. Song selection, not so much. Yeah. So I was trying to think. I mean, I couldn't quite remember if this was my introduction to Nine Inch Nails or not. Hmm. Let me let me talk about why. So Dower Spiral came out. Well, the actual soundtrack for this came out in March 29th, 1994. Was when this soundtrack came out. The actual movie itself was released on May 13th, oh, 1994. Wow. So Does that sound like an important date? May 13th, 1994. Hmm. That's when the movie came out, theatrically. Is that when Downward Spiral came out? No. What is May 13th? Oh, fuck me. <laughs> it's my wife's birthday. My birthday. I knew that. <laughs> I would never forget your birthday. Mm-hmm. You know that. So that's when the movie came out. The soundtrack came out on March 29th of 1994. Um, the Downward Spiral, I think, came out just right before that. Hold on. Let me get the actual date. March 8th. Yeah. So, oh, so weird. But... I mean, I'm sure I had absorbed it like somehow because I was watching TV all the time. But 
I don't think I bought the soundtrack until I saw it on VHS. And I can tell you very clearly the, the heartbreaking story of me watching The Crow. Well, mainly, and then, I, I didn't get to see it in theaters and I wanted to so bad. Like, you don't understand mm. how marketed this movie was to the MTV Why crowd. Why didn't you go? Uh, my mom, mom wouldn't take me. Really? She thought the movie looked dumb and had no desire to see it. My sister went to go see it with her boyfriend and came home and rubbed it into me. That She's the villain. Once again, she's the villain of this podcast and she's every podcast. She's what sisters do, man. She didn't even take little sis who probably... No, she was with her boyfriend. She, You would appreciate it so much more, though, because... She was a basic and you were a goth. <laughs> I wasn't goth yet. I was very basic. <laughs> I know. I know you And I wasn't ever really you goth. You weren't ever goth. No. But it's funny to imagine a 10, 12-year-old goth, <laughs> goth, goth kid. Jessica. <laughs> it would be funny. Um, but uh, the first time I saw it was actually my mom let me have, for the first time ever, a co-ed party around oh Halloween. Yo, you ho- you threw the party? It wasn't a big party, though. I can only have, like, a few kids over. And so what, I invited... Was it a kissing party? No, it was not a kissing party. It was a Halloween party. It was spooky. And yeah, so but... it was, like, late October, and I had invited kids who I thought were cool. You were so 12? I was 12. Wow, I didn't This have, was seventh grade. I didn't have it parties was, till my 20s, it was a, honest it, to God. It wasn't a party party. It, you're not understanding. It I was didn't like, have... I didn't even have a child party. Okay, well... Except wow. a birthday party, yeah, yeah. but I had no friends. Anyway. This was me trying to make my mom think I was cool and like me, like she liked my sister. Because my sister oh, had no. people over all the time. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> so sorry. anyway, she went to go see it. I didn't get to see it until I had this co-ed party. So I yes. invited the people who I thought were cool. Oh. One of them I became good friends with later on. Her name was Stacy. She was the one who would go and thought my CD was skipping. Oh, yeah. Stacy. Yeah. And she came from a big Marshfield family. Anyway, I'm going way into into okay, this, but we don't have to get into all her siblings were like super popular. So I invited her because my sister was wow. friends with like her cousins and siblings and stuff. So did like popular kids come over? At least a couple. I never could have pulled that off. And one of never. them was named Jonathan and every girl had a crush on him. Oh my God. He had the floppiest hair <laughs> you've ever seen. His hair was so floppy the girls couldn't <laughs> stay away from him. We all just wanted to like, he had jet black floppy, like jet black oh. floppy hair. Was he constantly going? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm flipping, I'm I'm bald, but I'm flipping my head like I'm tossing my hair. No, and he had glasses, like he was really smart with floppy hair. Anyway. The floppier the hair, the but the floppier the, you the, know. The, are you trying, place, dong? The, hey. Floppier the dong? I don't floppier know. Floppier the hair, saying. the floppier, you know. Okay. <laughs> That's what they say. Okay. I don't know who they are. They. Okay. Hold on. Oscar's upset because I'm getting very agitated trying to tell this Oscar, dumb go eat your food. Story. Oscar. So I had them over. Yeah, keep going. I rented The Crow. Everyone watched The Crow. And then I was super hyped up after watching that movie. Right? My mom rented it for us. Uh, one of my sisters. It made you hyper. <laughs> I was hyped up. Like, just like. So what weird. a great movie. Oh, my God. Like, so, like a 12-year-old oh girl excited oh my by God, I'm a goth staring now. at beautiful Brandon Lee for, you know, 90 plus you minutes were... and listening to an incredible soundtrack. And just it was amazing. You were the dark meme. and wet and wet. Like, it's just like a drippy, wet goth movie. Like, it's always well, like, it's always I feel like raining. it's always raining. It can can't ra- rain it, all the it time. It can rain all the time in this movie. Mm-hmm. But you became the meme of the girl who's like, should I try it? Blah, blah, blah. I crazy now. That was you <laughs> after me. after trying Crow. Yes. Uh, so afterwards, though, I remember uh, my sister's friend took us all to the local 4-H haunted house. 
<laughs> and I was also super hypey after that because it was the first time I made it through a haunted house. Oh, my God. <laughs> made it? What? You mean like you tried before and then you like okay. went yes. out the emergency exit? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Okay, when I was you a little kid. You didn't tell me kid, this, did you? No, I think I have before, but when I was like maybe five or six, oh my, God. my dad took me to the same fucking 4-H haunted house. Like they do it every year, right? The 4-H club to raise mm-hmm. money. <laughs> and so uh, there was a room we went into and there were strobe lights and I'd never oh. been in strobe lights before. Oh. And I was like, like I said, five or six and these girls, like there was just a bed, right? Like a bed. <sighs> And these girls started coming out from under the bed and like towards me. And I just started screaming and I would not stop. Like I was in hysterics. How old did you say you were? I was like five or six. Oh, that's way too young, Jessica. But it's like a country boy. I know, but that's not country boy, but like a country. The scene you're describing is too much for a five year old. (sighs) I feel sorry for that poor. Like imagine when your niece was five. I beat my pants. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Well, any, anyone would, right? At age five, mm. he should have never taken you in there. No. I guess he poor. thought I was stronger than what I no, was. No, poor baby. You don't do that anyway, to Anyway, they had to turn on the lights and take me out. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So fucking... I ruined the whole haunted house. No, your father ruined it because he took a five-year-old through some shit. That anyway. They should... Also, I overcame lets... my fears like seven years later and went back to that house. All right, good. I it. hope you kicked the girl in the face who was <laughs> coming out from was, under the bed. I don't think that she was still kick there. Her. I knew what to expect now. I was like, okay, there's going to be a room that has strobe lights. You kick her in the face and she's like, I'm a different girl. <laughs> <laughs> that girl grew up. So anyway, that's my story of when I first saw The Crow. But I I think I got it for Christmas that year on VHS, which is which is really weird because I think the previous year in sixth grade, I got like a meatloaf cassette with like it's like Bat Out of Hell 2 or whatever. And you got Aladdin. I did. And Beauty and the Beast like on VHS Uh, and The Little Mermaid, like all of them. Those were big VHS in my house. They were. Yeah. Or a couple of years before. I can't remember. But it's just like that complete 180 where suddenly something happens and you're just like. All right, well, I'm dark now. Uh, (laughs) Blah, blah, I'm goth crazy now. Blah, 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 I'm dark now. Yep, pretty much. That was me after, in like 1999 or 2000, after hearing like Starfuckers Inc. one time. Like, well, I'm dark I'm dark industrial now. Um, I'm so anyway, that now. was my that was my story. But I will say that I watched that movie over and over. Was obsessed with it. I had a Brandon Lee poster hanging in wow. my room for At, years. Like, like a I'm crow, talking from a crow poster. Yes, I'm talking from eighth grade till probably like my senior year in high school. Wow, I loved it. And also, it's not hard to imagine my transition from being in love with Brandon Lee and the crow to having a humongous crush on Trent Reznor because they had the long, dark hair. <laughs> Even some of Trent's looks like in the, the downward spiral makeup. area or sorry, era. White face. Reminded me of. Corpse paint. Cornstarch. Just kind of like the. The black clothing. Yes. Everything Um, reaching. I feel like there's a lot of tape involved, which Brandon (laughs) Lee also had on his. Tape over his nipples. Uh, Anyway, you're not letting me talk, but okay. I'm just. (laughs) All I'm doing is adding color commentary. That's all. Just. I'm just. I don't think the crow had tape on his Color commentary. Just saying. I was. You're right. I was thinking of Sting again. (laughs) Why do you keep bringing Sting up? Well, because should I, should I, should we do our thing? Do your thing. Okay. We got a voice message from a listener who also happens to be our personal friend, Tom Wolf. And he wanted to describe his relationship 
to the crow via his love for uh, pro wrestling. Here we go. And he kind of describes the whole uh, Sting, the wrestler Sting's redesign. I'll just, I'll let Tom tell it. Uh, G'day, Blake and Jess. This is just uh, Tom from Lupine Transmissions, uh, your resident wrestling expert, I guess. So a lot of people probably first became familiar with uh, the the Crow in general, if not through the movie, then through WCW wrestler Sting. Uh, as some of you may or may not know, in the, the mid to late 90s, and even now he wrestled with uh, face paint and look, including the trench coat and so on, that was um, quote-unquote heavily inspired by the Crow. Um, essentially the way that ended up happening was Sting was kind of in a transitional period in his career at the time and uh, another associate of his, uh, another wrestler named Scott Hall came up to him and basically said, well, I've seen this movie called The Crow, why don't you sort of look into that and see if that's sort of right for you? Um, Scott Hall had sort of become famous by ripping off uh, Scarface to become this character called Razor Ramon previously. Uh, so I guess Scott Hall was just kind of continuing his grand tradition of, um, uh, you know, just directly plagiarizing movies and turning it into great wrestling content, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so it's it's not a terribly in-depth story or anything, but that's kind of how he ended up with that look. And uh, he still retains it to today. Uh, you can see him wrestling in AEW, still using that Crow knockoff look today. Hell yeah, bro. So that was, thank you, Tom. But he mentioned, by the way, his podcast is called Lupine Transmissions. You should definitely uh, look that one up. Another podcast on the Ox Network, and he talks about things that are strange, dark, and unusual. Um, I was on an episode about interviews of vampire. I was on that one. I was also <gasps> on one where we talked about King Diamond and also Fire in the Sky. We were on that yes, together. It was like move. couples night. Lots of alien stuff. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, if you know wrestling, if you're a wrestling fan, you already know all this. But if you don't know, look up what Sting looked like in the 80s versus his 90s and beyond look, which is directly lifted from the crow. And it's a bizarre. It's an insane difference. Maybe we'll post something. To yeah, Patreon. we should. <laughs> or not to Patreon. I'm sorry. Why did I say that? We'll post something either to, <laughs> to Instagram, Instagram or yeah, to Instagram is where it'll be. Uh, Discord for our. Yeah. For you guys. Discord for star fuckers. Yeah. If you're on there, not everyone not everyone uses Discord. But it's anyway, true. we'll post it. Um, so, yeah, this movie had a pretty far-reaching influence. Uh, that dude is still pro wrestling and still doing crow makeup. So Yeah. And you know what else? It still reigns in my heart as... Mm. I don't know. There's just something that I was a little like when I was 12, I was like, wow, imagine a love like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a love where you would come back from the dead, the dead to, avenge. to avenge. Here's your... one thing yeah. I was thinking about the other day. I think when you were playing the movie again, mm -hmm. they both die. Mm -hmm. um, what are their names? Eric. What my fucking my Shelly? Oh my god, Shelly Webster, Eric Draven. My brain yeah. went totally blank for like five <laughs> I seconds. I was like, I'm surely really Jessica sorry. knows this. Yeah, <laughs> Eric so Draven. Sorry. Eric Draven, the most goth name ever concocted. Such a good name. What's weird is that he wasn't he wasn't goth before he died. He seemed like an alt alt boy. He was. I would say he's based on his band and his band's promotional photos. Uh huh. He was more a grunge, maybe. Yeah, he was more an alt rocker. But Eric Draven is like I sit on gargoyles and stalk the night um anyway they both died 
How come only he gets to come back to life to avenge his fallen girlfriend, fiance? Why can't they both just come back to life by the magic of a, a crow? It's just something to think about with the uh, the tropes of um, avenging the dead woman. I <laughs> right? mean... Right. If one guy can come back to life. Just make them both like... Uh, I mean, I think a team would be cooler. Yeah, living dead warrior, but a living maybe, dead duo of, of, of warriors. Maybe, and I can't quite... I, I only read the actual comic book by uh, James O'Barr that this was based on one time. Mm-hmm. So I feel really bad about that, so... I, didn't, I wasn't even aware as a 12-year-old that this comic book existed. I was in Marshfield Mo pre-internet. Like, I would have had no idea. And there were no yeah. comic book shops there. Right. So, um, but I've only read it once. I, my thought would be that, gosh. The crow's know. magic only works on men. Maybe. <laughs> Wait, there was something that I was going to think of. I'm sorry. And I totally lost track of I'm it. I'm sorry. And I had a point to make. Oh, but I'm sorry. I wasn't sure if. If they explicitly stated the rules for that, they or might not. Have. I mean, because they might the crow have. comes back. Maybe he and Shelley were never reunited after death because he had to first avenge her death and find peace himself before they could be reunited, which they finally are at the end of the movie. If you remember, she comes to him. Okay. Does she like? I missed the ending when we were watching it the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, are they like? United in the afterlife. Does he like move on to the? Yeah. Well, he he second dies. He second dies. He looks up and she's there. And okay, so Mm -hmm. they made they kept making sequels to this movie. Mm -hmm. How many did they make? I think there's like three or four. I only saw the second one, which is called The Crow. I think it was City of Angels. Yeah, and that one Um, also has a popular soundtrack, as I recall. Yeah, not a lot of the songs are available streaming, but the main song I remember of it is Hold It, a cover of Gold Dust Woman, and you can only play it on YouTube, basically. I don't, or unless you own, like, the CD or cassette from the original, like, release. Yeah. But they never, like, it's not on, it's not been released on any, like, B-side compilation or, or anything that whole, as far as I know, anyway. Even the Crow, the original, the Crow soundtrack mm-hmm. itself you, is hard to find on streaming, isn't it? No, I have it on Spotify. Of, oh, officially? Mm-hmm. Okay. For some reason, I thought there were just play, oh, wait, that was YouTube music, I think. No, it's officially, at least I think it's officially through Spotify. It's not a playlist. It looks okay. like it's the real, the real thing. Um... So for a long time, though, there was an issue with it because like the first vinyl release of it was an all white limited edition vinyl for record store day. That was the first time it had any kind of re-release since its original. When Was that just like a few years ago? Yeah, it was like maybe I don't remember, like 2014 or something like oh, I missed okay. it. Yeah. Um, but then a couple years ago, Rhino Records does this thing called Rocktober where they uh-huh. release like rock discs and they got the rights to mm. uh re-release the crow and so we have the we, this is how we own it um i pre-ordered it immediately mm-hmm. yeah she had to get that <laughs> yeah it was um it's on a two uh disc 180 gram vinyl and one of the the last side i guess side d or four whatever yeah it's a crow etching it's really cool yeah. There's there's nothing on there but that, it's a good etching. etching. Mm-hmm. So. Um I was just looking at it's a shame uh, that this episode is going to be released just shy of Rocktober. Mm. This would be a great October episode. But almost. Almost. 
We're going to have another movie episode. It's not spooky, but... <laughs> well, in some ways it in is. In some ways, maybe. We'll get there. Yeah. So, so... Uh, do you want to talk more about this, I well, guess? Are we going to talk about depth? the music or what? Let's do it. Um, so, how I think we will do this is we're just going to address briefly some of the more interesting like trivia facts. We don't have to address every single song because it's not really yeah. Nine Inch Nails related necessarily. Right. But... There are some songs I think are total bangers that I want to talk about. There are some songs, I mean, you know, artists related to Nine Inch Nails it's in true. one way or the other. Uh-huh. And um, where I thought it was we could just run through some of those and some information that I found about them. And then we could do uh, the Dead Souls cover last. Like, yeah. save, save, honestly, I think it's a standout track from the soundtrack. And I'm trying not to be... It's biased. Totally. Sub, like, yeah, I'm just. Yeah, it's probably one of the. But I ones. think it's a big standout track. Yeah. And I obviously the main single that was released from this is two. There was only one official single and it was I guess this might be the first one we talk about. By the way, this soundtrack, how many copies do you think it sold? Like in all through all time? Sure. Has it sold more than a million? Yes. More than two million? Yes. More than. What's diamond? Ten million? It's not diamond. <laughs> Five million? It was three point eight million, so not bad. Damn, is that triple platinum? Almost. That's, quad- a, that's almost quadruple platinum. Yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. That's good for. That's a lot. Although of, I feel like ninety soundtracks really knew how to move them. Some right? sound. I mean, some soundtracks are some of the best selling albums of all time. But yeah, that's was a shit the bodyguard ton. up there? I'm, oh, I'm it guessing, has to be right. It has to be close to the best Ugh. selling record of all time. Did I tell you about the time we were driving with Elliot and Remy? Those are my nieces. Mm-hmm. And I have a special playlist named after my sister. And they were all songs that we loved. And I will always love you came on and we belted it. And our nieces were in the back seat, Horrified. just like holding their ears. Oh, like this no. is awful. Why did you torture the poor kids? Because it's fun to belt that song. And you're like, this is what it sounds like when you guys built Let It Go. <laughs> Basically. Because yeah. I remember there were certain nieces <laughs> screaming that in the car. <laughs> but it's so much cuter whenever like a four-year-old and a two-year-old do it. Anyway. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you, Oscar. Oscar's the like, main yeah. single off this. Should we go in order or should we talk about um, the main single? Let's go in order, actually. Yeah, that's that might fine. be easier. So... This is the first song I'd ever, at least knew for sure was The Cure. I might have heard other songs of theirs, um, but never really associated them with this band. Um, This song is actually an original song that was written for The Crow. But originally, they were asked to contribute. Let me pull up this song. A song from Pornography. Oh. Mm -hmm. This was the song. Which one is this? This is The Hanging Garden. Okay. And James O'Barr loved, like, The Cure. He loved Joy Division. Like, these were some of his favorite bands. And he incorporated, like, lyrics from their songs into his comic. Hmm. He named sections of the comic after, like, Joy Division songs. He had characters quoting lyrics from songs. Wow. So when this movie was being made, they approached the band. And Robert Smith was like, hey, guess what? I'm a fan of the comic. We'll write an original song. And that's what happened. Wow. But this album is so fucking brutal, by the way. It is maybe the darkest, most depressing Cure album. And I talked about it on 
my other podcast um, how this one was harder for me to get into. At first, I was like, well, this doesn't sound like uh, Friday I'm in Love. This doesn't sound like close to me. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't sound like uh, doesn't just even sound like, like Burn, you know, which was my first right. introduction. So, um, anyway, they're asked to contribute that, but instead, they wrote an original song. So let's. I think the listen one, to I think this. Burn ended up being better for the the movies feel or the vibe the vibe of the movie definitely also this was recorded in two days by robert smith and drummer boris williams and this was the last time that they recorded together uh williams left soon after and they were in flux i think at the time with band members i'm not a cure hmm. uh musicologist so someone who knows a lot more about the cure could probably know. fill in the blanks for me but This one's kind of quiet, or at least it starts quiet. It starts quiet, yeah. Um, so this only appears on this soundtrack, not on a Cure album. As far as I know, unless there's like a B-Sides compilation or something, or, you know, B-Sides and Is rarities, this, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is this used toward the beginning of the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of the first songs you hear, I think. Also, it's six minutes, 39 seconds long. We're not going to listen to all of it. I know. I'm just saying, damn, it's a long one. But it's good. Like, it really establishes, like, the mood. Actually, you know, the songs on porno- Pornography has, like, six or seven songs on it, I think. Uh, and they're all really long. So it's kind of... Is kinda... it that low? Hold on. Yeah, it's, a, it's an album of long songs. So this is kind of in that vein. I thought they were, like... Eight or nine. I I could be completely off base here, but I remember them being long songs. There's eight. Okay, eight. Still not a lot. Mm-mm. Um, that's gotta catch you a little hook here. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I love this guitar. Is this guitar? Oh yeah, we were talking about this. Right there. It it sounds like guitar run through a gate or okay. uh, gate or tremolo effect. What was it? I said it reminded me of their night. How soon is now? Yes. It, that's yeah. What I was the Smith of. song uh-huh. that also uses a similar tremolo effect. Mm-hmm. Some if a, a, a guitarist should correct me if I'm wrong, but it, basically it's gating the signal. And same type of thing in uh, from Johnny Marr or whoever did it. How Probably soon is John. now? Um, and that is a cool part of that song. I never thought of like '90s Cure stuff as the good stuff. Like I was, I am mainly just familiar with '80s Cure and, and, and late, late '70s, 70s Cure. Yeah, like you know, Three Imaginary Boys. Yeah, I mean their first record yeah. and then '80s Cure. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I know. And then beyond that, I don't know if they continued to be good. I guess that's debatable. Some some albums they did, some they didn't. I think it is debatable. I don't even know if hardcore fans. Well, I mean, like one of my best like, friends who loves The Cure, Logan. Mm-hmm. Um, How does he feel about wild mood swings? I think he says that one's not good, but yeah. he does like some that he that they did after that. Yeah. Jess is like, Jess is karaokeing along or lip syncing along to this really passionately. Anyway, that's a banger for me. Um, but yes, I think this was my first Cure song that I could 
definitely recognize yeah. and go, that's the cure. And I didn't hear the, the cure until I was me. a teenager. So. What what song do you remember hearing? Um, Boys Don't Cry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard whatever the singles were, like, you know, Just Like Heaven. Just Like Heaven, yeah. It wasn't until I got into, like, the local alt-rock radio station. Like, they would sometimes play, like, 80s stuff, like, late at night. And that's how I heard, like, Just Like Heaven and... Also, like close just to me and stuff like that. Was... The whole I bought the I bought disintegration. That was mm-hmm. one of the first things I ever heard by them. Yeah, but uh, my even as an MTV kid, my mom hated a lot of new wave. Like the new wave she liked was like if they were hot guys. So like NXS. I don't even know if you consider NXS new. Not wave. many. No, not many of them were hot guys. Just ask the cars. You too. She loved you too. <laughs> new too. You new too. I'm just thinking of like you two are bands. not new way. They're, no, they're not. But I'm just trying to think of like right. They had to be stuff hot. that she liked, and it was like literally she thought the Cure were too weird, but she had no problems like letting me watch like fucking Van Halen hot for teacher video. Jesus. Like that's fine, but this guy singing just like heaven wearing lipstick as a freak. Look at so. his hair. Yeah, look at that hair. <laughs> So, uh, moving on. Such horrible, horrible hair. What is it that Marge says about awful, the troll? Awful hair. <laughs> I don't want you playing with toys with such, such awful, awful hair. hair. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, well, let's listen to this one briefly because I think this is uh, a cool jam. And also, uh, Reznor worked with Machines of Living Grace before. We talked about that in mm-hmm. the... Odds and Ends episode. Yep. So, this is... I just love the, like... got a cool industrial beat you know I just want to say that mm-hmm. gold this whole thing Golgotha tenement blues I love it by machines of loving grace is <laughs> a fucking mouthful it's a bit much. I love it. I think it's... It's a lot it's of beautiful. syllables. Just say it. Just say it. Golgotha too many syllables Blues like by Machines of Loving Grace. This is early in the movie, mm-hmm. shortly after they use the song Burn, right? Is this soundtrack... St- st- she's just giving me faces. Stop doing that. I'm singing along. I'm doing like metal, like she not metal faces. She's but like giving I'm trying me metal faces. To... No, I'm not. This is not metal. Yes, she is. <laughs> Um, I like this one, the beat. Oh my God, she just pulled the biggest face. I like when the beat goes to like double time there. Um, does this whole soundtrack go in chronological order of how they appear in the movie? I believe I so think, for the most I part. I think it is that. Because as we get towards the end, you have Medicine and also My Life is a Thrill Kill Cult. And those are actually bands that perform live. In the club. Oh, the okay. Owns. That's right. That's right. Didn't yeah. uh, Thrill Cold Cult play the fake band in the movie? Yes. Okay. And then the final then song plays over the too. credits. Yes, they carry it all the time. But they reference it throughout anyway. It's yeah. kind of like the theme of the movie, right? Uh, yeah, because well, yeah, it wasn't yeah, Eric yeah. Draven. Didn't his band sing It Can't Rain All the Time? Oh, really? I didn't I didn't catch that. I'll, his band I'll was... Okay. It. I'll find it. Eric Draven's band was called... What were they called? Oh, j- something about the Joker. You know this. It was the Hangman's <laughs> oh, joke, yeah. right? Yes, Hold the on. Hangman, the Hangman's joke. Okay. I'm going to double check that, though. Somewhere, somewhere like between. like a poser. It's not quite the killing joke. That's true. It's not. Is there a band called Hangman? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is Hangman's joke. I had to double check my, um, so like, my memory. Quite a name for a band. A grungy looking band by the looks of them. 
Um, this I always like this like this is a very moody song so it fits the mood of the movie okay so we'll stop here I, is there anything exciting going on after this what do you mean after this I just like that part oh oh did so there were some uh, pauses there did I your think friends, there's like little did your friend Stacy get up and no so the next song was actually the only official release from as a single anyway from the crow and it's big empty by stone temple pilots this song slaps i think in every way possible i know a lot of people hate stone temple pilots maybe not maybe not maybe just blake i don't know no stop stop i don't hate i just have no it's not my particular thing but have you ever really listened to purple though <laughs> not all the way through no you does, should it's so good does that have black hole song on it i think that they were wrongly maligned in the 90s because nobody maligned them they were fucking worshiped what are you talking about the critics hated them are you sure they hated core and would talk about how they were just like a grunge ripoff band like this band, all the time this was one of the most successful bands of the 90s of that genre come on but they, don't you want to be critically adored they, too? Yeah, I would. I mean, yeah, of course, of course you do. I would you want, want critical be, adoration and fan adoration. You want to be Radiohead. You want to be Radiohead. But haven't they alienated most of their base at this point? Radiohead now, yes. Yes. But pre two thousand, you know, ten or whatever. Yeah. Uh, everybody loved them. Yeah, I think critics still love them. I just think the fans are. Um, it's like the the radio. I don't know. I kind of dropped off after a creep remix, (laughs) which was that a joke, by the way, was Tom York doing a joke? I don't know what that was. It's it's literally a 10 minute version of. Well, it's just it's like a meme. It's like slowed down with reverb, like the memes that they do on YouTube and shit. Yeah, that's all it is. It's slowed down with reverb. (laughs) So before we get too far into this, they originally had selected this song called Only Dying. It was a demo um, from Core, which was their first album. Uh, okay. But they quickly switched it to Big Empty because of Brandon Lee's death. Like at the time when they were getting the soundtrack ready, Only Dying, which is a song I'm going to oh. play the demo of, was supposed to be in the place of Big Empty. Big Empty was not supposed to originally be on the soundtrack. They changed it because it had the word dying in it? I just think that there was a quote. Let me find it real quick. I think that they thought that the topic of the song hmm. would be tacky. Okay. After his death. I want to hear it because I want to hear if it fits the mood better. Okay. Because so, I don't know that the mood of Big Empty fits the crow all I think that it well. does. Okay. Well, it's played like, well, okay, wait, we'll, we'll listen to this and see. But this is, it was released officially on the 25th anniversary of Core when they did like a deluxe edition. So here's Only Dying. So taking the mood way down. Smooth jazz. Well, you couldn't, you'd have to use this in a really downer scene. Oh, okay, never mind. There you go. (laughs) Everything changed. Okay, I can already tell you right now. You like it better? 
Um, I think that Scott Weiland's voice gets so much better the older he gets. It does. But he, I think this, this vibe does fit the movie a little better. Especially those, oh, the opening sort of And this is the demo, by the way. I think they were going to re-record it. Okay. So it probably would have had a different mix. The guitar sound on it, way, way more goth. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. So, especially those opening arpeggios, that's straight out of the goth handbook. Um, That would have, I think, worked well in Crow. It was, well, well, we'll get there. It doesn't. Yeah, his voice sounds different in this than it mm-hmm. does in like Big Empty. It sounds more like the his voice on Core as a whole. Which, if you're not familiar with it, this is how he sang on. Most did that of one album. have any radio hits? That oh I would yeah, know? it totally did. Like what? Oh, like sex type thing. Like I am, I am, oh, I am. Okay. I said I wanna get or plush. That one that's like um. Now all you had to do was say uh, I am, I am. Oh I am. okay. <laughs> Okay, do you want to... I think Core also had the, I'm half the man I oh. used to be. Or was really? That, was that on Purple or was that on Core? Better find out. Hold on. Let me look up Core real quick, guys. This is going to drive me nuts. Oh, you know we could Garden. Burn, burn, burn. Yes, it had Creep on it. This is what that song was called. Right? This is it. I, Listen for the chorus. I'm searching it, and it Google comes up with half the man I used to be Nirvana. <laughs> no, this is not Napster. <laughs> Wait, I get maybe that's like a Nirvana B-side or something. Weird. Okay, I'm yeah, gonna. I mean, I've I'm gonna re-listen to Core sometime soon. It's been a while, guys. But you also know, like, this was a big MTV hit. And I feel when the dogs begin to smell her. That's me doing my... (laughs) What's this one called? It's called Plush. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard this a thousand times, too. And, you know, sex type thing. I I mean, this had radio hits. I can never remember their titles because their titles aren't in the songs. Alright, are we going to play the Big Empty? The song they did end up using? Yes, but I want to listen to Core later. (laughs) That's fine. That's on your own time. Alright? It's not on podcast time. I just want you to... uh... I mean, I could sit here and listen to the entirety of Little Earthquakes. And we could talk about it live. I we should do a live react to some nasty Tori Amos. I mean, it wouldn't be live for me because <laughs> I've listened to most of it a lot. For Blake. you, it would be live. Have you ever listened to From the Choir Girl Hotel? No. Okay, I wa- then I'm we'll going we'll to. do a live oh, react should, to that one because you've we never should. heard anything on it. We should. Okay. Uh, let us know. Hey, Starfuckers, let us know if that sounds like a good idea. This was my live react to um, Boys for Pele. What in the harpsichord hell is this? Well, is that why we were listening to it when we were driving home from St. Louis? Um, or I mean, did you listen I'd, to it again? I'd heard some of it before that, mm-hmm. but also on that drive, some of that stuff I had never heard before. Yeah, that's that album is a strange one, but it's good. Cotolite Sneeze oh, is a jam. Yeah. The rest of the album, I don't know if it's a jam. I'm going to have to re-listen. Buddy, you need to listen to Professional Widow again. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Right, I'm, sti- I'm still on... I'm still on Little Earthquake. Like she love okay. I know she did Starfucker first. 
And she didn't invent this term starfucker. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. And there's so hey, many cross the, the crossover. We're, we need to do a Tori Amos whole episode. <laughs> I'm serious. Blake is now. Okay, here. Can I confess Shh. something? Blake Don't used touch. to say, I can't believe you like Tori Amos. All that fairy weird I shit. Never, I never. I did not say that. Basically. I did not say that. I don't give one shit that she believes in fairies. Listen. That's He fine. was basically just like, mm, I don't know. Not for me. Never gave it a chance until recently. Now I'm he's like. I'm still not sure. Now he's like, little earthquake. Look. Little earthquakes. Hey, mommy. <laughs> I'm still not sure if it's for me. All I know is that I'm horny. <laughs> Hey, Blake. Blake. What? Same. Oh, God. Over little earthquakes? Over just everything. That shock of red hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just her holding a piglet to suckle at her breast. Oh, I'm that pig. I'm that pig. We're all that pig. I'm going to start making a series of memes based on that pig. I don't know why. Blake had never seen that picture before and pulled it up and was like, what is this? I was like, why aren't people making memes of this? Probably because they... Are afraid of getting kicked off of Instagram. <laughs> Probably. Anyway, okay, I'm here so we sorry go. about here the we tangent. Go. Big empty. Only official single from The Crow. They used about three or four seconds of this song in The Crow, the movie. I I think it's literally someone driving in their car. Yeah. Which is I know. literally and how the like, song starts. <laughs> I know. It's like driving in my car. And is this the theme for the bad guys? Like driving by? It's, I think it's. Uh, I think it's right after they blow up the arcade. Yeah. And they get in the car. It's kind of the bad guys theme. The kind bad guy, of, The bad right? guys who kill the crow. Yes. Well, and he his, wasn't the crow yet. They killed Eric Draven. They killed Eric and... Um, Shelly. And Shelly. Isn't Shelly the teen girl? Oh, my God. Oh, no, I think you're, I'm sorry. You were 1,000% right, and I am a fucking idiot. I was picturing her little tombstone, and I was like, I swear it says Shelly Webster. The little girl in it was named Sarah. So two two S names. I got confused because I'm dumb. And her mom's name was, oh, shit. They say it. And Shelly is. Shelly Webster was Eric Draven's fiance. They weren't married yet. Anyway. Anyway, this chorus kicks it. I was kind of air drumming earlier listening to this because mm-hmm. it does have those drum fills leading into the course that make you want to air drum. Yeah, Sarah was kind of a proto hot topic, um, you know, like influencer, I think. She definitely got like a steal her look style. Oh, totally. She, got, she had like the undercut. Steal her look, skateboard, mm-hmm. undercut, uh, plaid skirt, mm-hmm. j- jacket. Combat boots. Hoodie. Yeah, the boots are... Layers, are, like tons of layers. The boots are the main like thing. Like just layers upon layers of clothing. She really took the crow mindset to heart because she did become really gothy. And she's all over the um, convention circuit from what I'm gathering here. So do you think the song fits well in the crow? I can't imagine it without it. Well, okay. That's one way of answering. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, yeah, we all know that. So, I do want to talk briefly 
about the death of Brandon Lee. Um, so the movie itself is dedicated to to Brandon Lee and his fiancée, Eliza Hutton. I believe at the end there's like a little card mm-hmm. that says dedicated to Brandon and Eliza. Um, so Eliza Hutton was his fiancée. Um, Brandon Lee, I'm not going to get into like the super logistics of it because I... I'm just going to tell you, I don't understand guns. I don't understand how guns work. Mm. And I especially don't understand prop guns and how those work. Correct? They, sh- they shouldn't work the way that they did work in this instance. I know yes, that. Yes, it was definitely the fault of many different things mm-hmm. that led to his... Like, it was just a perfect fuck-up that happened on many levels, as far as I know, that contributed to his death. A real bad fuck-up. So, the scene at the very beginning of the movie where... Eric and Shelly are killed on Devil's Night. Um, that's the scene where he died filming the oh, movie. Really? I think they saved it for one of their last scenes because there are very few scenes in the movie where they had a stand-in perform okay. for him and they like use very early technology to try to uh, use a form of, of CG, early CGI for his face. I didn't or, even really, I didn't notice anything that looked because off. There are some scenes that seem kind of strange, oh. maybe where he's not facing the camera because it's his yeah. stand in. But I mean, you, we do that with stunt doubles all the time. We do, but I think it seems I, I more. I say we. <laughs> in the industry. Me and Blake, in the industry. Me and Blake do. In the all industry. The time. Um, but so that scene, I believe, is the scene where he was killed. And I think what happened was someone had the gun. It wasn't prepared properly for the stunt that was to be performed. They have certain things they use so that whenever. A stunt gun is fired. It looks more realistic, I guess, in how it's shot. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't prepared properly. So he was shot, I believe. He was shot in the abdomen. Mm-hmm. And in the scene, he's supposed to fall forward. And instead, he fell backward. And so the director yelled, cut. Mm-hmm. And at first, like, the medic on set thought maybe he had hit his head falling down the wrong way. Like, they didn't see blood. It was all very... Just no one understood what was happening, I guess. Uh And he was rushed to the emergency room in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, They were shooting near there, I guess. And yeah, after six hours of surgery, he was pronounced dead. He was 28 years old. Jesus, that's so young. Yeah. Yeah, 28. God. Um, So that's how he died. But I wanted to read. He's buried next to his father. Bruce Lee. Mm hmm. And on his tombstone, his epitaph is from, I hope I'm saying this author's name right, Paul Bowles, B-O-W-L-E-S. That's how it looks like it should be pronounced to me. But he had a work called The Sheltering Sky, and this was from it. And it is so sad. Oh, God. we can't. <laughs> I want to read it. <laughs> All right. Okay. The quote is, because we don't know when we will die, we get to think of life as an inexhaustible well. And yet everything happens only a certain number of times and a very small number, really. How many more times will you remember a certain afternoon of your childhood, an afternoon that is so deeply a part of your being that you can't conceive of your life without it? Perhaps four or five times more? Perhaps not even that. How many more times will you watch the full moon rise? And yet it all seems limitless. So. Is that whole thing on there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is the saddest thing in the world. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring. I mean, it's no. Just, I mean, it's this is what happened, and it sucks ass. It does. 
So fucking movies, man. Be more careful with your damn movies. It's not worth your life. Yeah. (laughs) To make a movie. Yeah. And I honestly, it's it's also really sad because I think this would have been, I mean, some people can argue about the quality of the movie and the direction and the acting, whatever. But I think he could have been catapulted to at least an upper tier. Oh, I bet he would have. He probably would have. But then again, I don't know. Maybe the movie would have been a flop without. Well. I mean, would it have been as popular without that story, that tragic. I I hate to say it like that. But that's just part of it. Like. The under the sort of alternative culture appeal of it would be there no matter what. Mm -hmm. And they could make like they could have made sequels with him. And like these kids, these young people and and adults now worship the dude. He was hot. So like that gets (laughs) that automatically gives you a boost. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I mean, there he would he would have. A I don't think he was a bad actor. Um, no, and I he, think he was just young. He can and do, not hadn't had not a lot of of opportunity. Right. To he would really have, he would have got, gotten better and better. Yeah. I'm sure, and he had a great physical ability. Of course. Yeah. Sad. Uh, but I just thought that actually, I kind of think that quote is is kind of beautiful, and I wish I had written something like that. Yeah, I tried to tune out a little bit. I didn't want to cry on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Sorry, my cat is everyone. going nuts. Anyway, do we want to talk about another song on Yeah, we the have to soundtrack? get we have to get through this thing. We have know, to get to I know, the I know, Nine Inch Nails I know. song. So the next one I just want to talk about briefly is Darkness by Rage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. Um, this was my first intro to Rage Against the Machine, but this song is actually a re recording of it was called Into the Darkness of Greed. And it's a re-recording of a song from Zach De La Roca's first band before uh, Rage Against the Machine. Um, that band was called Inside Out. So oh, weird. Uh-huh. Hold on. Let I me... never knew that. <laughs> that he had a band called Inside Out. Well, and they they had they released a little like a couple of small releases, and one their next album they were working on was actually, I think, supposed to be called Rage Against the Machine. And whenever oh. they broke up, like one of the members left to join like the Hari Krishnas. Like, I'm oh. not even kidding. Like it was And that member was George Harris. So. <laughs> well, you guys don't know. <laughs> but uh, uh... Anyway, I, I believe that their next follow-up was going to be called Raging His Machine, and so that was kind of taken by Zach, obviously, okay. for his next band. It's like, I'm taking this. Yeah, so this is the original version by Inside Out. This next song is about the past of our country and how we got to the place where we are right now. Okay. But our past, the forefathers of this country... Zach had short, short hair here. ...to decide upon the laws and the Constitution using slavery as his basis to make money. Okay. Enslaving other human beings and our brothers and sisters to make money is a fucking dark way of life. I mean... And it still exists. It's just covered up with a bunch of media and a bunch of other shit that happens. He's spitting. I mean, he is spitting. Like, spot the lie. A tiny fire... Burning bright, shedding light on the darkness of greed. Because the innocent blood to flow, it's our country's fault. Did he sing? Mm-hmm. He sang in this band. This is a super lo-fi. Yes, sorry. Only in the. It looks left. like it's literally like in a basement show. <laughs> it's only me, only in my left left headphone. Yeah, it sounds like a basement. Mm-hmm. Um. 
This doesn't sound. This doesn't sound nothing, right? No. Okay. Was this ever so, on a Rage album or no? I don't think so. I think this was only on okay. the soundtrack. So let's listen to. What's that? That was just me doing that with my hand. That's, I like to make weird motions. No, I'm just doing the. I'm trying to hear what kind of bass that is. Okay, that sounds weird. This is my first rage. It's an extremely jazzy that? bass. Yeah, it's good. This set, yeah, this opening here is like, like this. You wouldn't think it was. There we go. This made me woke. <laughs> yeah, this this song radicalized the youths. The, um, the goth youths. Yeah. yeah, so this, I didn't expect this kind of music from the movie because it's not gothy, you know. It's kind of diff- kind of a different feel. Mm-hmm. But it still works because it's like angry, angry rap rock. It has its place, you know. I, mean, it's also, I feel like it sounds... Different enough from normal rage too for some reason. I don't know. What well, has that weird soft yeah. jazz verse? They say we'll kill them off, take their land. But yeah, it's a pretty good one. There we go. Okay. Anyway, this is uh Jessica's first uh introduction to uh right, baby's political first rage. Yeah. Right. Yeah, my first rage. So I just kinda wanted to play that. I think that's cool. Yeah. Like rage, love rage. Okay, next. Wow, I don't even know what to go to. Can we talk about Color Me Once? Color Me Bad. <laughs> yeah, we but can talk about it. I want to talk about how earlier today I was just listening to my release radar mix on Spotify. And it was one of those things where the synchronicity is just too much. Okay. And this came up in my feed. This is the early version of Color Me Once. Oh. Some of it's going to sound really familiar, but there's some strange, not strange. I'm not even that familiar with the song anyway, but. It's going to sound a lot the same. I think that the soundtrack version is I, is uh, a cleaner production. I don't know if I'm yeah, saying Yeah, it's right. a little bit, you know, slicker production. Mm-hmm. I'm not super familiar with Violent Femmes, but I'm going to assume this is the gothiest song they ever put out. <laughs> I mean, they've written like some some like murdery ballads. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, is it Country Death Song that I'm thinking of? Yeah, something um, like that. But I mean, most people are familiar. I think is it, is there, um, I feel like most people... Like the younger kids will know because Gnarls Barkley covered a violent film song. Which one? Gone Daddy Gone. That's a violent film song. Wow, Blister in the Sun. Well, they're. 83. Yeah, 83. Mm-hmm. That's so early. I was so one. long ago. I was one. I was, I was a fetus, <laughs> folks. I was a sperm. <laughs> Vocals are a little bit different. Um, yeah. So uh, their first album, though, I'm looking at it. It's been a while. 
but it is bangers after bangers. It's got Blister in the Sun, Kiss Off, Please Do Not Go, Add It Up, Prove My Love, Gone Daddy Gone. Damn, that album is great. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was cool that this came up <laughs> today. Yeah, that is weird. It knows you. This is a little bit different. Weird bass freakouts uh, happening. All right, play okay. the, the so, soundtrack yeah, version. Yeah, let's go to... I called it a sort of funky dark wave. It's, yeah. It is very funky. Also, a... it has the Jack fall down and give Jilly headline, and I was like 12 going... I know what that is. Oh, you knew? I don't think I would know at 12. What? Mm-hmm. I think I asked. If you just oh ask, God. your sisters will tell you. Well, guess what? I didn't have older, <laughs> any older siblings. <laughs> I had to learn everything the hard way. A lot of similarity, but it does sound a little more polished. Mm-hmm. is this used in the movie do you know i mean i don't expect you to know know when everything is used but i'm trying to remember i feel like it's a bar scene when like that would make sense when sarah goes in to talk to her mom and she's like Mm. i already got dinner from the police (laughs) i ate a hot dog from winston you know the ghostbuster (laughs) and her mom's like i'm a horrible mother that's what she says. What was it I did the whole time through the movie that drove me nuts? What did you do? I quoted it. Oh! Jessica did... Hang on. <laughs> yeah! Okay, what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Jessica did like a... Uh, like an eight-year-old with her favorite Disney movie. <laughs> and she kind of mouthed along or quoted along with the whole goddamn movie script. Every line. And I was like, Jesus, girl. Halloween ain't till manana. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that line is very funny. Yeah, there's also a... Because why does he say manana? I remember one time... Do you remember my downstairs neighbor, Lindsay? Like, yes. I remember we would get drunk and drink wine on the bottom stoop of this apartment complex I lived in. And yeah, for some reason... Would. We were on a crow kick, and I remember her coming out and just saying to me, Mother is the name for God on the lips and hearts of all children. (laughs) We both were like, (gasps) That's (laughs) like it just reinvigorated, like, our like we we realized that we are both crow kids. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah. that was kind of a great line Mm -hmm. or a very powerful line. Yeah, he's like squeezing the heroin out of her arm. Oh, god, I mean, sobering her up. He's kind of mansplaining her, (laughs) not really, but. It is. I it's don't know. a poetic way of saying. It is very poetic. Listen, being a mom it, is very important. It's like he's. Speaking, I am not a mother. I'm a god. <laughs> I am not a. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a mother. I'm a crow. <laughs> well, sorry. I wonder if that was from the comic or something. I can't remember. Because it's just like, what is this? He's just speaking in poetry. Yeah. But he is like an otherworldly being. Mm-hmm. 
but it's like, oh, I have to clean my life up now because. Well, he yes. loves Sarah. So he's also helping to save oh, Sarah. Right, of course. Yes. Oh, yeah, in the movie, this is almost like their adoptive daughter. Mm-hmm. She's like a street kid, but it's only because her mom is a. Mom's um, going through mom's it some a sex time worker right now. who's not all that available. I, I think she's a bartender who um, is addicted to. Not bartender, a waitress. Do you, I don't. Did you get. Okay, I thought she would. Oh, yeah. is she a sex worker? Well, she was tending bar, but she—I I thought she did both. Oh, maybe I could be completely. Oh, it, it could be. It could be. I thought that's maybe how my she... innocent mind is like, oh, she's a, a server at this yeah, bar because... who is also just with this I guy the, who's a total scumbag and the they're addicted to drugs. That, like, Probably, yeah. but I'm an innocent creature who does not... That was implied to me, but I could be off base. No, um, you're, you're probably right. A lot right. of people understand the crow better than I do. Oh, you're probably right. Anyway. Is okay. The, oh, Are we sorry. on to the next one? Yeah, sorry. I just we need totally, to keep moving. Yeah, this is... Um, honestly, I don't have a lot to say about this other than... Uh, it's Henry Rollins. Yeah. It's Rollins Band covering a suicide song called Ghost Rider, which is, of course, about the Marvel Comics anti Is it really about him? Is it yes. really about him? Oh, my God. That's the lyrics funny. even are, like, talking about him. Like, I have a flaming skull yes, for a head basically. and I ride my motorcycle. That's crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, so um, Henry Rollins got to be in the movie. Briefly. He plays someone that a villain uh, grabs him out of his car, right? And yeah. it doesn't quite go as planned, but and it's like Halloween's not till money. That's not that's not him, but okay. But yeah, this song was not. I don't know. I'm this just, song didn't stick with me all. Can that I much. say something? What? I like Henry Rollins as he, a human. He's fine. Whatever. I've never been a big like Black Flag person. No, I know you'd enough. Ha- you'd have to ask our friend Josh. Our friend Josh is a big Black Flag person, and I the only Rollins stuff I know other than uh, minimal Black Flag is going to be this song because it's on the Crow soundtrack. And I love this part. Anyway. Uh, and the Liar song that was oh. on MTV when I was a kid. <laughs> so One of Rollins Henry Rollins' yeah. minor mainstream hits, yeah. if you could call that mainstream. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so next one, I guess. All right, we're going to go into some helmet just briefly. This helmet song, I like how it's called Milk Toast, mm-hmm. but but not the way you actually spell Milk Toast. Mm-mm. But that's on a different album where they spell it that way. Because they do a different recording of the song and it's spelled M-I-L-Q-U-E. Oh, for real? Yeah. That's just confusing now. Uh-huh. They're just confusing. Me. Can you turn up just a tiny bit? Love that bass. Mm-hmm. Good production. Were Helmet an influence on Nirvana? I uh, don't really know. I don't know. I, Hold on. I'm looking up something. I'm trying to figure out the dates of release. Sorry. And you interrupted me. I'm now. sorry. I only asked that because the, there is some overlap there. Well, Butch Vig, I think, produced this version of Milk Toast. Um, but Butch Vig was also just kind of a hot producer at yeah, the time. Yeah, he was doing a lot of things. Um, but I, the only thing I remember about Helmet, other than like a few of their songs and Betty, the album, uh, um, sorry, I'm, I'm thinking, my, my sister's boyfriend at the time loved 
helmet. Uh, the one who was an asshole that I hated. Um, yeah, okay. But I remember him wearing like a Betty t-shirt all the time. <laughs> okay. Um, but I'm looking up the length of their band because they were kind of on and off, and I don't want to get okay. the, the the years wrong. Okay, they were formed in 89. Oh, okay, so okay. same so they were, contemporaries uh-huh. of Nirvana. Yeah, so they were 89 to 98 and then 2004 to present. Um, and I know that Paige Hamilton, who was like kind of, the, I think, the founding member and vocalist and, and guitarist, uh, had a lot of training in jazz guitar, actually. I think he has like a jazz group even that he still records with or has. Hmm. Um, but he recorded with Nine Inch Nails. Yes. Um, on a track from The Fragile. I think it was No You Don't. A track I fucking loved. I'm assuming he played guitar on that mm-hmm. song that has some of the sickest guitar you ever heard. <laughs> yes. Um, and so Betty came out in 1994. That's what I was trying to look up. Sorry. I'm getting the exact release date. June 21st. So it would be after this soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Milk Toast. M-I-L-Q-U-E-T-O-A-S-T is the version on Betty. I was double checking that too. So they put the incorrectly spelled version on this soundtrack. Yes. I wonder why the two versions. I think because they sound different. Well, (laughs) thank you. So this version is produced by uh, Butch Vig. Of last remix fame. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Paige Hamilton was also in Tapeworm. Oh, right. Which was the band that, that, that is relevant. the side project that never came to be. Like I said, we'll talk probably about him more when we get to other songs. Yeah. Let's see. The only other, there's only two more that I really, I mean, I'm not a huge Pantera person. Yeah, it's some not of my these thing, we but will. They were also a cover. Um, there's a For Love Not Lisa song, which is a band that probably was never heard from again after this. I think they've even said this was the highlight of their career. I had, okay, I'd never heard of them, and they have a strange band name and they have a strange song title song's called slip slide melting (laughs) and i like it but i especially like a certain part blake is that what we're hearing now turn it up why is this the part you like the slow part imagine being a 12 year old girl hearing a guy singing i would die for you getting getting horny for the first time i'm not getting horny i'm just like it's all so romantic. <laughs> was, was the crows the first time you got horny? No. <laughs> Wait, you did before that? Yes. There's a little music video that came out before I saw this movie. Was that it closer? Was, yes. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. We've realize talked that. about this. Okay, I knew that, but I didn't realize that you saw the closer video before you saw the crow. Yeah, because oh. the crow I didn't see till it came out on VHS. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I couldn't remember if I had actually had the soundtrack when the movie came out or if it was after I saw the VHS and I think it was after I saw the movie that I got the soundtrack so I thought this song was just okay <laughs> I mean it's fine it I just like this part like the rest of it it'll go back into like kind of what it sounded like it's yeah. just kind of like a very 90s rock mm-hmm. um, I don't know what else Extremely to really say about 90s it um, then there's My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult After the Flesh this always makes me think of ministry. I don't know. This one. I am the way of the future. This is my now we talking track. <laughs> Why? It is kind of ministry. I like. Mm-hmm. I just kind of like the electro yeah, beat. Yeah, I like of it. all the weird samples in it. And, and it, it's up. It's got that upbeat. Got that kind of pastiche industrial. It picks up the pace here. Mm-hmm. 
gets me a little more excited. Fun fact. You want to hear the fun fact? So yeah. this is one of the bands that's playing in the club. Yeah. Allegedly, according to commentary on one of the releases of The Crow, music supervisor Jeff Mose said that Nine Inch Nails was supposed to be in the film and not oh My, my Life God. with the Bill Kill Cole. Could you imagine? Why didn't they? Were they like we don't? I think there were conflicts. Trent was like, we don't do movies. I don't do movies anymore. I was burned once by Paul Schrader. I learned my lesson, man. He he cut all my scenes. Also burned by by sleazy by 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 Peter Christopherson. Why was he burned by him? The broken movie. I don't know. He wasn't burned. Listen, whatever. He was burned. <laughs> never, never mind. Um, I was just trying that to think would of, be of movies. Fucking Sorry. wild. They should. I think now they should play a band like in a bar. They have him, him and Atticus. What are you talking about? Weren't they at the Roadhouse? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They were okay, but I mean, like, okay. yeah, playing fictionalized, whatever. I think that we should write a movie about a really sad bar band and cast them as the the dudes oh, in it. If they were like. Like what? They were like so we'd we'd kind of uh, frumpy the, frumpy them up, mm-hmm. and they'd be kind of like washed up, old, mm-hmm. uh, no longer successful, washed up old musicians, mm-hmm. just trying to get by mm-hmm. with shitty bar gigs. Yeah, and make them I don't know just a, just two guys in a sampler, you know, just two guys in a sampler. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's two a guys good, and I think that's a good sitcom. Two guys, two guys a, a girl, and a sampler. Two guys, a girl, and a wall of modular synthesizer. <laughs> okay, uh, quickly, there is a Jesus and Mary Chain track on here called "Snake Driver." Not necessarily my favorite, but was my first introduction to the Jesus and Mary Chain. My, see, I, heard. I mean, it's very Jesus and Mary Chainy. Yeah, you can turn it up. This song is more of kind of in my wheelhouse, maybe a little bit more than the rest of the soundtrack. I mean, I think it's good. Just like, it just to me was not like a standout crow song. No, for it's me. not. It's not. It's one of the ones that fits less, maybe, mm-hmm. with the vibe of it. I think so. It's good. Now they're a band. Uh, they're a band that's toured with uh, mm-hmm. a few Nails. times. I feel like. Yeah. Like very recently, yeah. and then in the early, early days. So, yeah, definitely so. colleagues there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm just going to kind of stop that one and move on to Time Baby 3. Uh, this is, this is co- I love this one. By the way, the, the two groups that are uh, female-fronted are Shudda to the end <laughs> of the soundtrack. Um, unless I'm overlooking something. Yeah, all w- ladies to the back. <laughs> ladies to the back. What it's not the? ladies to the front. Sorry, bikini kill. It's G's up, hose down. <laughs> what is Time Baby 3? Is this like part three? Yes, actually, it's the third version of this song. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's weird. Mm-hmm. They've recorded it two other times, and they did a third version for this one. I believe one of the main differences is that it features production work by Robin Guthrie from the Cocteau Twins. And I think there are some vocals by Elizabeth Fraser, who's also part of that Okay. Group. You know what really stands out to me on this one? What? Um, 
it sounds like My Bloody Valentine in some parts. And it's, it's very really, shoegazy. Really shoegaze. Mm-hmm. They're and a shoegaze I, group. I, so. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if they yeah. fell into that genre. They do. I like this one. This one's a bit more my style than a lot of the I songs like it a lot. Here. Yeah. This one's good, good, good. I like good, the shoegaziness. Good, 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 good. The twangy, twangy mm-hmm. guitars. It's more shoegazy than gothy, but I guess those are in the same universe. So. I think that this is just, like I said, like a introduction to dark, and there can be kind of dark shoegaze. Of you know? course. I mean, um, dar- I mean, people who like that type of music, you know, we cross over. Yeah. And this is, yeah, definitely. Uh, I just always like this, especially like towards the end where you hear like these shouts in the background. Hold on. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of weird. That's so weird. They're in like the the, the left and right. Mm-hmm. The, I like it's it a it's lot. the lyrics in the for or the the vocals in the forefront that sound more like my bloody Valentine to me. But oh yeah, they do. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Total. So I've always liked the song. It's one of my favorites, but I don't really have a lot of information to share about it. So. Uh, just dig it. Um, the last song is kind of the theme for the movie. It's It Can't Rain All the Time by Jane. Um, I don't know how to say her name. Jane Sibury. Jane Sibury. Um, is this like written for the crow? Yes. This so she wrote it along with um, Graham Ravel. Graham Ravel also composed the actual score to the film. Um, but he was a member of SPK, which is um, an 80s New Zealand industrial group. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So he co-wrote Crow- this with her and wrote the score. Crowded house? Is that how you said? <laughs> yeah. Lord? Yes. Lord. <laughs> well, so I'm trying le- to think of New Zealand At least artists. Crowded House was actually 80s. Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to be thinking about Don't Dream It's Over All Night. It's a banger. Let's just end with that. Yeah. This song, this song is not like uh, one of these things. It's not like the others. Mm-hmm. This plays over the credits, right? I believe, yeah, it ends the film, but there's references to it throughout the movie. It can't rain all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a thing that he says, the main character. Yeah, because it's his song. Um, and the women I'm sorry to say it, but you know what I wrote down for my notes? You said it was probably boring and you hated it no. or something. Oh. I said corniest shit on here. <laughs> well, yeah, it's fucking corny, Blake. It is the most corny thing on the on the soundtrack. It's just because it stands out as not like the others. It's, it is. It's kind of. It's kind of. I don't even know what adjectives to use here. It's a little saccharine compared to the others. It is, but I guess that's why it's kind of the closer, right? It doesn't fit in anywhere yeah. else. You've got to make it kind if of. If this were a movie now, you would have the bangeriest banger. It the, would be Celine the, Dion the, singing it. No, <laughs> at the end you'd have something oh, that sorry. just splits the screen wide open when that credit hits you know what i'm saying okay so i want to play you something i'm not wild about it i liked it fine as just a tie-in to the movie okay what is that hangman's joke it can't rain all the time brandon lee is it really brandon lee is this in the movie? There's a scene where I'm trying to remember exactly when it happens, but I can't 
remember where she's at, but like our record skips, and you just hear it can't rain all the time, can't rain all. The time. Oh my god! Can't rain all the time. She might be at home. They recorded a whole, a whole song for it. It's not very long. Like That's... it's just a little snippet, and this says it's a piece of music made by Brandon Lee film The Crow. Huh. But I don't, I mean, it. it's not like... That's from the fictional band Hangman's Joke. Yeah, hold on. Here is, this might be the actual scene from the movie. Nope. Someone just has a cassette where they're playing that exact thing, but it looks like a weird bootleg <laughs> okay. cassette. Right. People might be mad at me, but I'm not sure that I love Hangman's Joke based on the, the sound of this. <laughs> You're mean. I mean... I think they sound great. So, and I love the uh, the fake band photo when they're yeah, just like goose you would, in a car. <laughs> you would think they would rock a little harder and not be so. I think they look gothy <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, but the sound of what you just heard, you would think they would they would rock a little harder and not be so like. Here, here's another group photo of them. Yeah. Okay. okay. So they're yeah. It's a glamour shot. They look very 90s. 90s. Groth is what I'm going to say. Exactly. Groth pretty boys. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, if you want, here's the version where um, the officer uh, drew on his face when he was trying to figure out who the crow was. So he drew crow makeup on him. <laughs> He's like, oh, that. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's totally. Now, it all now makes I sense. know who this oh, person is. Okay. So. I guess we can just dive we, into... We have to get to Dead Souls now. The main attraction. Yeah, we have to do it. It's time. So, just before we go, um, instead of Nine Inch Nails, do you know what they wanted? Oh, they wanted a different band? Mm-hmm. What, to cover Joy Division? Yes, but it was um, a different song. Jesus, what song? So, the song would have been um, Level Terrace Apart. Oh my God! They mm-hmm. they want they had a lot of hopes and dreams for the soundtrack, didn't they? <laughs> um, Level Terrace Apart. Who? Give me some hints on this. Let me see if I can get this. Okay. Uh, original members of Joy Division. Oh, new New Order. <laughs> yes. That's not a hint. You're just telling me. <laughs> so they wanted New Order to come on mm-hmm. the soundtrack. Like and I do said, Level like James Abar was a big fan of of Joy Division. Here's and I obviously. Would, that kind of moves into being a fan of New Order for most people. Yeah, of course, of course. Did, yeah. Here's a dumb question. Did mm-hmm. New Order ever do Level Terrace Apart in any form? They did. So I have a live version I'm going to play for you that was I done would, pretty I would, recently. I would like to hear would it. Would you like to hear it? Okay. <laughs> That's so, something I would like to hear. I Somehow I've never heard that. When, when was this? This kind of just sounds like the Joy Division version because it's not, it's not like Drum Machine. It says it was posted like 14 years ago, which seems nuts to me because I feel really old. I mean, that's when it was posted. It sounds pretty good. That guitar tone's cool. Well, the voice is different. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I know I mean, you're not a big fan of Ian Curtis's voice. No, I mean, I'm so sorry to the people. I know they're a great band. I know he's great. I'm sorry, R.I.P. to him. Um, 
I'm not a huge fan of the singing. I, I'll just say I'm a bigger fan of New Order than Is, Joy Division, totally. Yeah. But I also, mean, New Order has like way more output and time I, uh, to grow as a group. Um, Joy Division, I recognize why they're important and all that shit. I, I have difficulty sometimes listening to it. Um, yeah. But so anyway, they gave us Dead Souls. Yeah. So, so they, why didn't they get New Order? There was some kind of strange conflict. I don't remember exactly what happened. It just said it never panned out. You know what's, so you know what's I, interesting, I, I don't know if it's a rights issue with, with whoever... Dead Souls fits this movie way better than oh, Love Will Tear Us Apart. Totally. <laughs> like, like Dead Souls is so that would not that would not fit a scene where the crow is jumping roof to that's roof. That's the thing. Okay, so when they're using it, it's when Brandon Lee is like kind of figuring out like his powers as the crow He's, and like running and jumping mm-hmm. from roof to roof He's in this like Batman around. Fuck. It's Batman. Yeah, basically. And so Dead Souls is playing. And I remember my friend, Jenny, who I thought was the coolest girl in the world. She's like, you know what? We were just hanging out one night listening to the Crow soundtrack because that's what girls did in uh, oh 1995, God. four, six, for a long time. Because <laughs> okay. it's a really good soundtrack. Yeah. Um, she was like, you know, I can't hear Dead Souls without thinking of Brandon Lee jumping across <laughs> roofs. And I was like, damn it. Literally, now that's all I will think about. Literally, that's still true for me <laughs> to this day. I will always think about him doing those jumps. Even though you came to this later. like Yeah, it's connected in my mind permanently. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it probably is true for a lot of people. Yeah. So, anyway, basically it didn't pan out for them to record this. So, Peter Hook, though, later was asked about his thoughts on the Nine Inch Nails cover, and he says... He's the basis for... New Order. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Joy Division, right? Yes. Um, I like the band a lot, but they did the song very faithfully. It's a real complimentary interpretation of Dead Souls. A lot of the time I hear it, I think it's us. And that's a great compliment from Trent. Okay. So before we get too deep into this, uh, Trent Reznor himself, also a fan of the original comic book, of course, goth alternative, (laughs) et cetera, you know. Right. Um, He was a fan of the comics before it was in production and i read in an article that this was the first song recorded at the tate house oh the first Uh so like okay i had a feeling that this sounded like it was early earlier nine inch nails oh okay like broken era so when was it done 92 i don't know the exact year i just read that it was because i didn't think they rented the house until like well, it was somewhere in the in the broke because it was used in the broken sessions. Mm-hmm. Multiple studios were used, and the pig was one of them. Mm-hmm. I think for like some of the yeah. If Dead Souls was the first thing recorded, and we don't know that for certain, Mm-mm. but that means it would have been beginning of the nineties, and it it, it def- would have been at least like early. It's weird that or late nine. 90- I have to look up whenever you rented the house again. I don't it's, have the date. It's not, don't worry about it too much, uh-huh. but it, it just sounds a little earlier than Downward Spiral. The timeline is kind of weird, but I don't know. If you, if you've listened to it, I don't Never mind. Okay. It anyway, sounds that's early. That's what I read somewhere. Don't know if it's true or not. Someone can yell at me about it. Um, but also, so on the Japanese version of the Downward Spiral, this is the 10th track. It comes before what? a warm place. <laughs> oh my God, no! Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, no, no offense to the Dead Souls cover, but you can't just cram it in there. I, I don't know between but... Big Man with a Gun <laughs> and the Warm Place. That's ridiculous. So that's that's where it's at. And um, later, it was 
as well as on the Crow soundtrack. It was released later on the 10th anniversary of the Downward Spiral Deluxe Edition on the second disc. So right. if I you do never had that. the Crow soundtrack, then you could have gotten this cover They put that everything way. on that. Yeah. Um, so I do want to play a little something for the kids. <laughs> the kids. Uh-huh. For our Starfucker kids, our babies. Okay, I just want to say I'm calling y'all kids because I had a sweet Zoomer Aww. tell me I was like her aunt earlier. <laughs> Does that week? does that make me the uncle? You're her unky. Oh, Your no. unky Blake. I mean, I know we seem old. I know. We're, I know. I, I mean, know. I guess I'm old, but also define old. Someday you guys will be my age too, and you won't feel old at all. Except for sometimes whenever your bones creak funny, then you're like, oh, I'm old. Oh. But then there are sometimes when you look yourself in the mirror and you're wearing like your cute fishnets, and you're like, oh no, I'm not old at all. I'm so cute and young and vital. Yep. And that necessary was, was just, to the culture. And then sometimes just you're just like, no, I'm she not. She just wore the fishnets today and she was the moment, I think. Um, we just, Zoomers, we just want you to like us. That's all. <laughs> we just want you to think we're cool. Yeah, just think we're cool. Come okay, on. Okay, so give me a minute to find this. But it's going to be, when I get to it, there was an Alternative Nation special all about the Crow soundtrack where they had all kinds of bands. And of course, at... In 1994, who would be one of the biggest bands on this soundtrack? It would have been Nine Inch Nails or right. Stuntable Pilots, but... They had a big year that year, yeah. so... So, and also, who was besties with Trent? A little... Okay, um... Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails, also a part of the soundtrack. They are covering a beautiful rendition of Joy Division's Dead Souls, and here's Trent to talk about this. When asked to do a song for the movie, what I thought would be appropriate was, um... Um, in the comic book, there's a lot of uh, Joy Division lyrics quoted, um, and I think that was a big influence on James. So I uh, ventured into the dangerous territory of trying to cover a song by Joy Division, and I always liked Dead Souls and thought it kind of applied. That's that's them playing it live. They did play it on tour and stuff. So yeah, and they played it at Woodstock too, I believe. Oh, did they? Did they? I can't remember. I feel like they did, and I feel like I also played Burn. A uh, a listener will tell us. I was a fan of the comic book before I heard there was a film being made, and it appeared to be being made um, the right way. Um, I was somewhat intrigued to be involved in in some capacity. Oh, God, he's basically Brandon Lee there. Look at him. <laughs> this is before Trent Reznor had abs, so. Um, still beautiful. Dead Souls in the film is used fairly, fairly towards the front of the film, where um, when Brandon Lee becomes the crow and is um, kind of seeking out his first victim running over rooftops, and it's a pretty, pretty powerful scene. It's flattered to see that it was used there. It's badass. And we're flattered that uh, you're as pale as you are because you believe in healthy skin, first and foremost. Trent, March the Picks, Nine Inch Nails up next. Stay here. She's wearing the weirdest Kennedy's a, Kennedy's a problematic crush, maybe? Guys, you know what? We're going to just create a clip of that for y'all and put it on our Instagram. We should. You cool. have to see this bikini top. You have to. <laughs> it's just the bottoms, too. It's just a I weird I didn't see outfit. the bottom. They didn't show the bottoms. It looks like a skirt. You never really see, but it's also the same, like, oh, pink, oh, plasticky material. She always had the I don't porn rim know. glasses. 
Yeah, I know. I just didn't fit with those glasses, but it's a look. She's a shithead. <laughs> well, she is now. Yeah, she is now. I always thought she was kind of cool then, even though like my whole right. family hated her. Well, you know what? Your family turned out to, to be right. <laughs> and how often does that happen? But they weren't right at the time. True, true. Well, maybe she did suck then. I don't fucking know. But, you know, okay. Can I tell you a funny story? Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, people were taking a lot of pictures of their, their homes. And you could see like bookshelves and shit. And there was a picture that uh, Mary Queen took oh, inside let's... their home. And you could see it was like a painting that she was working on. But on either side of her were bookshelves. And I am always curious She's as to what so are nosy. on people's bookshelves. Because I feel like you can learn so much about someone, right? Yeah, By the yeah. books on their bookshelves. Especially the bookshelves that are out like where people can see them. Uh, like in a living room, whatever. And so I zoomed in and I was like, okay, yeah, some of these track. And then I get to a John Stossel book and I'm like, what the fucking fuck? And you know what I think? I think that now that I think Kennedy sent it to him as a gift and was like, maybe brother Reznor, I want you to get into this libertarianism shit with me. And John Stossel, John Stossel, imagine following I'm sorry if anyone here is a libertarian and I'm uh, insulting you. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're not that sorry. You know, like you, whatever. Um, Listen, I'm unapologetically a leftist. So you know, whatever. Be, be what you want to be, but we're not. <laughs> never <laughs> we're not, mind. We're not. We're uh, never. We don't. We never were a part of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe that. I guess there could have been a lot worse things on the shelf, you know? I mean, I guess it could have been like. A lot. You could do worse. You could do worse. <sighs> I maybe don't they know. just. Maybe John they Stossel's liked, just such a turd of a human. Maybe they that just liked just... his satire. I don't know. <laughs> what? He was. He was known for he was known for being like an ABC. I thought he was like a Mickey Rooney or Andy yeah, Rooney yeah, type, like grumpy dude, grumpy libertarian. On he the had street. the grumpy little uh, news segment on I forget what program it was now. It's probably like primetime live anyway, or some. Bullshit. We have to talk about Dead Souls. So we okay, I'm play sorry, the I'm sorry, part? I'm sorry, but that's my theory. Is that Kennedy okay. sent him that book? That's a good theory. Do you? Okay. Are we going to play the Joy Division original? Do it. Can like, I grab water you while you edit play this it? out? Yeah, can you get me some water? Oh my god! <laughs> Do we just go in and start playing it? But there's gonna be no commentary. It's gonna be talk, weird. All right, so Blake left the room um, to get some water. He seems annoyed at me because maybe I've talked too much tonight. I don't know. I guess we have been doing this for two hours, so whatever. Uh, here is. The original version of Dead Souls by Joy Division. Blake brought me water. They're still in the intro, Blake. It's cool. This one is... How long is the Joy Division original version? It's almost five minutes. For some reason, I remember it longer, but maybe it just seems long. I think it just seems longer. It's significantly faster than the Nine Inch Nails cover. It's real. The pace is really, is really br brisk compared to the cover.
also very similar to to the way Trent does it. But they're also letting this like instrumental intro ride out a lot longer because the lyrics haven't even come on come in yet, have they? Mm-mm. Yeah, this really goes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of goes and goes. Yep. Miss Vibin here. So his vocal's pretty, pretty different from Trent's. But, you know, basically the same song. Ready to move? M- melodically and everything. Yeah, I wonder if it's in the same key. I can't recall. So the cover. I already like it so much better. <laughs> we're gonna yeah, talk about covers like, in a minute and things we didn't know we were covers, and this is this is my sounds thing. like same key, but you can hear the tempo is way down. Mm-hmm. Of course, just a live drum set on the Joy Division. This to me, it kind of sounds like the kick and snare are sequenced or drum machine or sample sequenced. And then it sounds like live toms are being played over that. But the part that's that's uh, machine made is. So, you know, in very in nine inch nails fashion would not be out of place. Uh-huh. That's my guess. Kind of tightens up that guitar part. So yeah, there's like, there's really only two parts to the song. I think much better vocals. I'm sorry. I think so. I mean, I was never a huge fan of the Ian Curtis vocals. Um, this, I, I think the mood, I mean, the mood of this fits fits the movie better. It's not that I don't like Ian Curtis's vocals per se. It's more like this was the first I'd ever heard Dead Souls. And so it's mm. I mean, we've talked about things before where, you know, songs you heard that maybe you weren't aware were cover songs, and this is like the biggest one for me because Oh, you didn't know it was? Mm mm. It was twelve. It was nineteen ninety four. It was yeah, in Marshall, I mean, Missouri. How would I have heard I know. of Joy Division? I know. I know. <laughs> um yeah, and the I don't even remember the first time I heard the the Joy Division version, but I remember going, "Oh no, Nine Inch Nails is a thousand yeah. times better." Like to me, this is. I mean, I don't know. I just because it's what I always had heard for many, many, many years. So it was. Yeah. yeah. There are. I mean, there's the bass, the guitar, 
the vocal, the drums that we talked about, and then there's there's noises in the background, which might be samples. Like all that stuff you hear in typical NIN fashion, mm-hmm. there's noises or samples coming from somewhere of un- samples of unknown, noise of un- unknown origin. Damn it. Can't talk. It's okay. Damn it. it Try always, again. It always does this to me. No, I said it, but okay. it always does this to my mouth. Alcohol. What always does? Alcohol fucks up my mouth and I can't <laughs> form the stupid words. I just have a broken mind, so it's okay. My mind can think of the words just fine. It, my, the muscles in my face relax and I can't say it. When I first heard this, I thought this was the gothest, darkest shit I'd ever heard. Really? I was in like seventh grade. All right, before, all right. Like just three months prior, I was listening to like Ace of Base. Are you insane? Like this to me was yeah. like... I was definitely wow. <laughs> when this came out, I was in Ace of Base mode, and I was unaware of any <laughs> any dark music. I mean, my sister listened to like John Michael Montgomery. Are you kidding me? Like, I mean, lame. She's yeah. lame. Um, I do have questions about the song. All right, I don't know if I have answers. What is the song about, and what does the title mean? Dead souls. They keep calling me. Are they the ghosts? The Dead Souls? I don't know. Some people think it's also about schizophrenia. Really? Well, let me look at the lyrics yeah, real I'm, quick. I'm looking at the lyrics too here. So there's a, Take a duel of away. personalities. Yeah. Stretch, stretch all, all true, re- true reality. They keep calling me. Yeah. Keep on calling me. Mocking voices. Ring the bell. R- Imperialistic the house of prayer. Interesting. That's what IHOP should change and their name the, to. <laughs> okay. The strangest. Oh, it is IHOP. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why would the, I? They yeah. really should. They should do an. Imperialistic a, House of Pancakes. They should do an e, an Ian Curtis mm-hmm. a promotional week. An Ian Curtis pop-up. Yeah, pop-up. Mm-hmm. You know how they do like the McDonald's right now is doing the. Like Saweetie. Saweetie meal. <laughs> um. The strangest line, conquistadors who took their share. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean? I mean, there's not that many lyrics. It. Yeah. A- after that, it's pretty much just calling me, calling me. They keep calling me mm-hmm. for several more minutes and that's yeah. it. So, well, yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Um, well, now I'm just, this is off the cuff. Just like voices that are haunting you and they won't shut up. <laughs> like, is there much more to it than that? I mean, of course there is, but that's my very basic reading. Mm-hmm. And are the voices ghosts or are they like metaphorical ghosts in your, of your, your own mental, I don't know. You tell me. I, Blake. (laughs) Jesus. You're supposed to be the crow expert. Come on. I am not, I do not like to interpret songs for people unless it's very, very blatant as to what the meaning is. It's, I don't, I, I don't like to say like, I don't like to be one of those commenters on genius.com who's like, (laughs) This is what it means. Because those people, 90% of the time, are dumb as hell. I mean, unless it's obvious that it's like a song about a shitty breakup or a murder song where some girls get together and murder a cheater or an abuser. 
or a or, guy decides he just wants to shoot someone to watch him die, whatever. Or if it's a song about a driver's license. That, I mean, I mean, those are all kind of obvious as to what the meanings of those songs are. But I, uh, see where you I don't like the... to interpret um, songs that are maybe more abstract. This is a bit abstract. I see where you could get the the um, schizophrenia, but you don't. Let, let's dispel the uh, misunderstanding that schizophrenia and hearing voices yeah. are one and the same. It's true, but at the time, I think people interpreted them as one and the right. same. They did, especially, you know, decades ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you just want certain voices to shut up and stop calling you. You know, we've all felt that way. Uh, whether we're crazy or not. Yeah, like, why do I get a phone call every day from Humana Inc. at 9.45? I'm not answering that shit. I don't know you. Do you Leave really? a message, bitch. You need to block their ass. <laughs> now that we're past the two-hour mark. Mm-hmm. I mean, might as well just drag it out to three hours. No! <laughs> it's past my bedtime. Um, to wrap it up, have we talked about everything on the soundtrack now? I think... I think we've at least yeah, mentioned we have. every we have. song. We have. Okay. Is Dead Souls the best song on here? It's one of the best songs. <sighs> I'd say it's definitely one of the best. Dead Souls. I think it's the best cover as well. It's not my favorite Nine Inch Nails song. It's, you know. Oh, I was just saying it was the best cover out of all the cover songs on this album because there are three. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. There are, Sorry. Yeah, you're right. There are there's um, there's the Rollins band and then Pantera. Those are all covers. I Who's think. Pantera covering? Um, God, it's some hardcore. Is that like an A cab song? The badge. <laughs> I I I think I feel like I never paid attention to that song because it wasn't oh, my thing. Kind of seems like it. Hold on, I'm trying to. Oh, Poison Idea. I already said that earlier. I thought maybe not. I forgot what you said because <clears throat> I've never heard of them. Um, so yeah, do you? What do you do? You want to rate the soundtrack? Do you want to rate the song? Oh God! You I mean, you don't have to, but if, I mean, okay, fine. Maybe listeners expect us to give inch ratings. Okay, to things. Well, I give the soundtrack ten out of nine inches. Oh my God! Really? This is like one of my favorite soundtracks, and it doesn't even work just as a soundtrack. It works as an album. It works as a mood. It works as a very like just a. I can establish a time and a place and a mood that I was when I was a kid listening to this. Like it it just yeah. transports me. It's very um of the the time and it is kind of the introduction to alt rock or not necessarily alt rock, but darker corners of alt rock that I would never have uh probably gone to if I'd never bought this uh soundtrack. Or it would have taken me longer at least. But Yeah. Yeah, this 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 uh got me into some cool shit. Yeah. Maybe change the course of your life. Maybe. It was so. either this or become like the biggest all for one fan. Oh so choose wisely. Choose your path. Um, <laughs> we need to make a meme that's like two paths and one is the crow and the other is <laughs> all for one. John Michael Montgomery. Um, it was the crow soundtrack's not as important to my life as it was to yours. Mm-hmm. Just because it wasn't part of my childhood. Yeah. So I'd give it like a seven inches out of nine. Um, it has a lot of pretty good stuff on it and nothing on it that's really bad. Mm-mm. Just some stuff that I'm like not all that crazy about. But there's some there's a lot of fun stuff on it too. And Dead Souls is 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 fairly good. Mm-hmm. I just I really 
<laughs> it doesn't it doesn't measure up to uh nine inch nails original songs to me like how I'd does rather, it rank on their covers because i mean on their covers they do a lot of covers like i think honest, so far we've talked about an adam ant cover a queen cover i think those covers or i think the queen cover is a lot more fun mm-hmm. for example than dead souls but dead souls does have this moodiness that it depends on what mood you're in if you're in a horny mood then listen to Get Down, Make Love, or maybe listen to Physical. But what if you're like in a sad, horny mood? <sighs> then it's time for Dead Souls, baby. Yeah, but maybe. <laughs> it depends. I don't know. You'd have. I'm uh, feeling it, dark, sad, and horny. What do I want to listen to? <laughs> Dead Souls. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, okay. This is one of my favorite Nine Inch Nails covers, and I think it's, and obviously it's very similar to the original. Yes. But I think it's my favorite because I was not familiar with the original. To me, this was basically an original whenever I heard it. uh, Right. Might as as well have been. Yeah. And I've just always loved it so much. So, yeah, the actual cover, I'll give a nine out of nine inches. I think it's great. Oh, um, I'll give it an eight. (laughs) Okay. So that's uh, The Crow. The Crow soundtrack mm-hmm. next time what's if, our next bonus up if we missed anything let us know oh yeah totally we'll we'll uh, address it um and our next if you well, want to yell at me for not being as into pantera as i should be whatever yeah different strokes for different folks ne- y'all next on the main feed is the downward spiral right and then, uh yeah we're gonna have several episodes though for downward spiral yeah. at least at least three yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but also interrelated Bonus episodes. Mm-hmm. The next bonus episode, is it going to be another soundtrack? Yes, it'll be Natural Born Killers. Natural Born Killers, a mm-hmm. movie that she forced me to watch the other day. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about your reaction to it later. So that has even more Trent Reznor stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Thanks, Tom Wolf. Oh, yeah. Thank you, for Tom. For sending us that voice message. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you, listeners, for your support. Thanks, Starfuckers, for supporting us. Um, you rule. You literally help us, you know, pay our pay to keep our lights on in here. Yeah. The podcast couldn't exist. Pay to host. Pay yeah. for uh, cool giveaways. Pay for. Yeah, we couldn't do any anything without future merch. <laughs> yes, we will. If you continue to support, we will continue to put merch out there and continue to do giveaways and continue to make bonus apps. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, you know, at nailed pod on Instagram and Twitter, you might already know that. And if you haven't already signed up for discord, uh, yeah. we have some fun chats in there. And also, uh, we have some really, uh, cool hardcore fans who've been sharing some really awesome, uh, photos of band members of nine inch nails that I've never seen before. And I'm so excited. Um, mm-hmm. We might share them to our Instagram at some point, but for sure, get in our Discord and we will, uh, you can see all these photos that some people have shared of early Robin Fink. They're quite This one's going, I just saw this one for the first time today. Mm -hmm. Robin Fink's student ID from Berkeley College of Music. It's made its rounds on Instagram. Okay. Well, it's new to me. I didn't know he went, I guess he went to Berkeley briefly. (laughs) <laughs> he was too cool for Berkeley College of Music. We'll talk about that. We're going to have a Robin Fink episode, I'm you sure. You know who? Oh, my God. You know who? A lot of people went to Berkeley, first of all. Mm-hmm. But somebody that comes to mind, um, I think they use her in their like brochures to get students to. Oh. Um, who Amy, should I be thinking of? Amy Mann. Oh, I didn't know that. 
Amy, we always come back to Amy. Thank it you, all Amy. Comes back to Amy. <laughs> Amy's on. Back, Amy's ultimate. She's mommy. back on the gram. She's she's oh she's mommy. Um, <laughs> anyway, that I time to bonk me. <laughs> that that's the signal that it's, we've been podcasting late, too long. So thank you again for your support. We really do appreciate it, and we heart you. And yep. is there anything else you want to bring up? Thanks, Starfuckers. You're so vain. You probably think this pod is about you. <laughs> <laughs>